Christmas special of the Who's podcast with me, Phil, and filling in for Paul this week, we have a very special uh, guest host. It's Martin Havel from the Bad Wolf podcast. Thank you for having me. Ah, thank you for stepping in, mate, because uh, poor old Paul is, is indisposed. Um, oh. he's, he's working some very, very long hours. So uh, so that's that's why, folks, we have a, a Martin's very bravely stepped into, uh, into Paul's shoes. So uh, much appreciated, mate. Always a pleasure. I think the last time I was here, we were talking about the Bells of St. John. Oh, I think it might have been, actually. And that was our 100th episode as well, I, I seem to remember. It was. Crikey, that's some time ago now. My <laughs> God. Now, um, as it's our Christmas special, and what we usually do, as we've done in previous years, we delve into Doctor Who Christmas specials of the past. So this year, we're getting round to The Runaway Bride. So, yeah, so we'll be discussing that later on. But first, as usual... We've been away for a couple of weeks, so there is a little bit of news to discuss. Now, unfortunately, we kick off the news with the announcement that actor Tom Adams has died at the age of 76. Now, those of you who don't know who Tom Adams is, he was in from the notorious Warriors of the Deep uh, story, uh, which was a Peter Davison one, and he played the uh, Commander Vorschach, who was the leader of Sea Base 4. So, uh, yes, I think the last thing I've seen him in was some DFS adverts, wasn't it? Yeah, he was in some DFS adverts, yeah. Yeah, so but um, I mean, I remember him being in a um, an old horror film, one of those nineteen uh, seventies portmanteau horror films. I think I think it was the House That Dripped Blood, which and the overarching theme for that was actually John Pertwee playing an actor who who puts on a cloak and turns into a vampire. I remember that one, yeah. Um, but the other was the deep connection to that film as well as Ingrid Pitt played um, John Pertwee's paramour. I don't know if it's his wife or girlfriend or. Or co-star in the film he was meant to be in in this in this uh, film within a film. So yeah, there was two words of deep connections to that one. So I think the one that Tom Adams was playing, he played this. I think it's the one with what's the actor's name? Den Denham Elliott played a writer, and he he wrote about this serial killer called Dominic, and his wife was trying to scare him by getting Tom Adams to dress up as him. Tom Adams was her lover, <laughs> so yeah, it was all but. He immersed himself in the part and actually became the serial killer himself. So he ended up murdering um, Denham Elliott's wife as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love those old. Uh, I, th- I think it might have been an Amicus one. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. The old Amicus film, but they're great. Occasionally, they come on Channel Four um, every so often. Yeah, they do. They do actually. Yeah, I do. I love them. I love them. But I, I didn't realize Tom Adams also in The Great Escape as well. Yeah, it's probably what he's best known as. Um, Dianemo, he played. Yes, or known as Diversions. I yes, know, I, yeah. Do you know what? I haven't seen The Great Escape for years. I think I just take it for granted when it's on the telly. Because I've seen it so many times now. I've probably not seen it for about fifteen years. No, nah, if I'm honest, me neither. But uh, but other things that he's appeared in, he's been in Casualty, uh, Strike It Rich, The Enigma Files, which that rings a bell. The Enigma Files. Um, Dixon of Doc Green, Spy Trap, Zed Cars. No, an actor hasn't been in Zed Cars, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, General Hospital, The Avengers, and Emergency Wall 10. And he also is in the Needing line. Uh, and he was also the voiceover guy for E4. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't know That's that. A shame. Oh, dear. So, uh, yeah, so, um, so obviously our thoughts with his, his family at this sort of sad time. It's, I mean, I think it's even worse at this time of year, really, isn't it? When. Um, People pass yeah, away. especially this side of Christmas. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But uh, 
Anyway, um, let's move on to hopefully some happier news. Now, as we've been away for a couple of weeks, um, it's been announced there's going to be some Lethbridge-Stewart novels are going to be uh, released. Now, apparently it's um, going to be based on Colonel Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart before he became the Brigadier. Now, all the accounts there set after Web of Fear, so it says here, which sounds quite yeah, interesting. It's, it's very interesting. I'll definitely give these a read. Yeah, I, I think I will as well, actually. Um, now, there's been four titles announced. The first one's The Forgotten Son by Andy Frankham Allen, Horror of Debt Sen by Lance Parkin, uh, The Schizoid Earth by David A. McEntee, and Mutually Assured Domination by Nick Walters. So they've all got suitably um, unit-style... Uh, <laughs> well, I don't think it's a pre-unit, because I think unit was about... Unit was fear, around, was yeah. Yeah. Do you think that... And I'm playing devil's advocate here, mm. but do you think the inclusion of the Cyber Brig was to launch these books? Hmm. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Does seem a bit bit of a coincidence. It, it would be very strange. Um, and I just imagine if it would... I'm just sort of wondering if it was to sort of nudge the general public's recollection of who the Brigadier was before they brought out the books. Well, I would hope that the general public wouldn't need a nudge to to know who the Brigadier is, to be honest. But I did see some people on Twitter, like 21-year-olds, asking who the Brigadier was um, after that episode. Oh, bad fans. Bad fans. Sort of bad fans, bad indeed. Bad fans. <laughs> Obviously, they're not, they're not proper fans. They don't know the show's history. That's it. Cast them out, is what I'm going to say. Exactly. <laughs> As if I'd be that... Uh, that anal, that's what I'm going to say, really. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think it's, it's good that sort of the character can live on in, in other in other formats, really. And I suppose the only thing he can live on now is his book form. But, book uh, form yeah. I'm just going to correct myself, actually. Uh, it, it wasn't Unit in Web of Fear. It was Unit, I think, by the time they got to um, the invasion. It was the events in the Web of Fear that created Unit. That's right, yeah. 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 I had to, to correct myself there, actually. So Now, um, on to the christmas special this year last christmas now the transmission times be announced for other parts of the world uh now as we know it's going to be on the uk on christmas day at 6 15 yep. um it will be on in australia on uh the abc one channel on boxing day actually friday the 26th of december at 7 30 p.m and uh i think usa and canada are also going to get it um on christmas day but at 9 p.m Eastern Standard Time, and Germany at 9.30pm. So there we go. So it's all our overseas listeners. There you go. Sounds like Australia's getting a bit of a, a bum well, rap they, there, aren't they? They're 24 hours ahead of us. Yeah. So, hmm. It's, so 6pm <laughs> 6, 6 Christmas Day for us is... Going to be 7.30pm. Yeah, be around then. Yeah, for, for them really, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah okay. Oh, fair dues. Fair dues. I suppose in the age of... Uh, the internet and spoilers. It makes sense, I suppose. It makes... Get out as quick as possible. Yeah, yeah that's it. it. It will do. People can't help themselves, can they? I hope, I'd hope. i like to hope people don't spoil it for other people who can't watch it at the same time. But yeah. there we go. We can, we can hope. We can hope. Now, a little bit of DVD news. Now, as we know, there was a couple... How many years ago? Was it two, three years ago now when the, that episode of Underwater Menace was, was found? It must be three, yeah. got to be three years ago, hasn't it? Now, BBC Worldwide have given an update um, on the status of the DVD release uh, for this. So uh, their statement says, We hope to release the Underwater Menace in 2015. 
We delayed the release to ensure that our publishing schedule is phased appropriately across the year and the episodes will be animated. So that, at least that confirms that. They will we'll get the missing episodes animated. Um, it's taken a long, long time for this to happen, really, isn't it? I'm, I'm hoping um, they're going to do yeah. something really special with it. I hope so. I hope we're going to get some really good extras. I hope so. I really hope so. But I think this is it now, isn't it? Unless they find that there is some others lurking around, but we're not going to get into that conversation right no, now. No, we'll leave that to Ian Levine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, yeah, this, this is it. This is quite sad, really. It is saddening. Um, you know, they'll just start re-releasing stuff soon. They, I think they will do. Um, I, I don't think I can buy the same thing over and over again. I think I've done that with um, Spirit from Space. I think I'm on my third version now. You can't do it because you're married. I know. Well, There's I no did... way any woman's letting you do that. <laughs> well, I, I can only sort of buy my uh, Doctor Who DVDs when they get under a tenner. So Same, I, yeah. yeah, so I can just sort of... Uh, I don't feel quite so guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't get a bollocking more like it. But, uh... <laughs> now, um, other thing while we've been away, another sort of... I think it's a, a really weird news. Now, the BBC apparently has plans for a theme park. Now, there's no confirmed um, details in this yet about what rides or anything are going to be there, but they said it's going to be um, the sign of deal to uh, develop a new theme park stroke holiday resort in North Kent. Now, what they said so far, it's going to feature rides, interactive simulators, and experiences based on what, BBC what properties. What I heard mm. is that it's Paramount who are building the theme park right. in North Kent. And there's going to be like a BBC land type, you know, like when you go to Chesington or something, you've got different sections. Yes. yes. And this will just be one section of the Paramount theme park. That would kind of make sense. Yeah. So there's going to be a couple of Sherlock rides and a Doctor Who ride. So they could essentially put the Doctor Who experience or a copy of it in Paramount. And then, you know, people closer to London will get a chance to go on it. They could do. I'm beginning to think what or wonder what the hell they could do for a Sherlock ride. Um, I guess they <laughs> catch a bungee cord to you and push you off a building. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an idea. <laughs> well, I don't know, East Ender Zone or something. There'd probably be like little bits. Yeah, you could have. Um, just trying to think what sort of uh, simulators you could have for like um, you could have Cotton's Coffers where you have to pick up. I'm Doc- not your mother. That's it. You could have. <laughs> you could. Yeah, well, you have to pick up a Doc Cotton's hundred ciggy a day habit. You have to <laughs> simulate that. You could have. Um, you could have a load of uh, what well, like those like at fairgrounds. You know where you get the um, you get the water piss. You have to usually shoot into a clown's mouth to, yeah, to yeah. fill up the balloon to win a cuddly toy. This one you could do it with Bianca's mouth, right? Well, in mid shout of Ricky, so I think that's Ricky. What you, yeah, yeah. So you could do that mid shout into into uh, Patsy Palmer's gob. Um, Many and have, could, and you could have uh, commissioning capers as well. You have to. Uh, it's a simulator to be a BBC commissioner. And come up with programs to to uh, to conform to the lowest common denominator, and dish out a lot of old shite. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right, really. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon that will that will get the punters in actually. But Paramount just... are actually stepping up their theme park experience worldwide. They're building one in Spain. Now, what of licenses have Paramount got apart from Star Trek? Uh, Shrek. Is that one of theirs? Uh, I thought that was Disney, but. I no, I think it's DreamWorks, which are a subsidiary of Paramount. And, oh right, okay. Um, I, yeah, I think they've got they've got Star Trek. There's definitely going to be some Star Trek stuff. Oh, it's got to um, be. Yeah. If they've got Shrek, then they're definitely Shrek and Puss in Boots. Oh, blimey! Um, I think do they own Penguins of Madagascar? 
they might do. I'm not so, yeah. entirely sure. So, hmm. Well, obviously, when we get more news on this, well, uh, we we shall bring it to you. That's a, that is the, certainly a I'll very, even very come odd. on just to deliver. The just news. A, <laughs> well done. I'll hold you to that. Right. Okay. So that's it for the news while we've been away. But now it's time to quickly run over to Omega's Tech Corner. You pester me with trinkets. Right now we've got uh, one. Well, I say it's one item of tech, but it's it's. Five in one this week, I was going to say. It's a plethora. It's a plethora, a veritable bushel, I should say, of uh, of tat. This is pewter tat as well. It is. Yes. High quality tat. Yes. Now, there's a... quality Forbidden Planet tat. Oh, no, this, is, this isn't Forbidden Planet. This is from um, a guy called Robert Harrop, and you can get these items from robertharrop.com. Now, these are limited edition pewter figures. Now, each one stands at 7.4 inches tall, or 189 millimetres, and weighs 1.2 um, kilos. Now, each one um, is limited to 100 figures worldwide. So these are going to be rarer than that stuff of Rocking Horse drop, uh, drops. So <laughs> you've got a, um, a fourth Doctor figurine. You've got a 1970 Silurium figure. Um, a, a Ice Warrior figure, which is, is Varga. Um, you've got a 1975 Cyberman figure and a Commander Lynx Sontaran figure as well. Now, they do look rather nice, apart from the Tom Baker one. Which, yeah, they do look good, they apart do look, from Tom Baker. Like apart from Tom Baker one, which does look rather, rather... Well, I don't know who it's supposed to look like. It looks more like Davros, <laughs> to be honest. But, um, yeah... Um, £110, though, for each. It does seem rather, yeah. rather a lot of money. I can't justify that. No. No, I can't either. Uh, I dare say someone will, and they'll go straight on to uh, eBay, no doubt. Double the price. Double the price. Well, treble the price, I would, I would imagine. Especially look at some of those uh, some of those little that was it, Titan figures, those collectible ones are going for £800. Yeah, it's mad. And then you had that geezer selling his boss. Recently. Yes. I know it's <laughs> oh the bus one thirty five grand wasn't it for that bus? Yeah, it's the most yeah. expensive item we've ever had on Tat Corner. <laughs> I think that one. But uh, actually, uh, before we wrap up uh, Tat Corner, I've, I did forget one item of news actually, um, and that was uh, something Stephen Moffat's been saying about the return oh, of Captain yeah, yeah. Jack. Yeah, we just uh, um, they forgot about that one. Um, he says he hasn't ruled out a return for, for River Song or Captain Jack, uh, but he says there needs to be, and this is his words, a seismic story for it to happen. No. Yeah, there is no point just bringing them back to bring them back. No, exactly, exactly. Um, he says, unless you've got a story that is absolutely informed and invigorated by their presence, just bring a character back into an ordinary story won't do, which I agree with. Yeah, Actually. I'm with him on that. Yeah. I did hear that Captain Jack was meant to be in A Good Man Goes to War, uh, but because of Torture yes. of Miracle Day filming at the same time, John Barrowman wasn't free. I'd, I'd, I'd wish he'd actually gone into Good Man Goes to War because I thought yeah, me too. Miracle Day was bloody awful, actually. So. It would make more sense to the story as well. I mean, if you're going to war, you take your military friend who can't die. Exactly. That's all you want on your side in a fight, really, isn't it? So Yeah, exactly. And River Song turned up late, so you can't trust her. <laughs> so there we go. Right then, so that's it for the news. That's it for Tack Corner. So coming up very, very shortly is our... Review of The Runaway Bride. So for another week then, that was the news. Okay then, everybody, it's time to delve back into Christmas Pass. It's the Christmas Pass of 2006, and we're going to have a quick look at The Runaway Bride. 
What? I shall descend upon this earth and shine! Who is that man? Get me to the church! Prepare your best medicines, Dr. Man, for you will be sick at heart. You shouldn't even exist. You are kidding me. Trust me. It's Christmas. Whatever that thing is, it needs you. And whatever it needs you for, it's not good. Now come on! Fire! Sure they will suffer. So suffer! This planet shall be scorched! Okay then, mate. So you're our esteemed guest this week. So um, after all these years, what do you think of the one Runaway Bride? You know what? Mm. I actually preferred it this time round. Really? You didn't enjoy it before? I really hated it last time. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I haven't watched it since it was broadcast in 2006. Yeah. I remember being bitterly disappointed on Christmas Day when I e- watched well, it. E- even more so than after watching End of Time? About the same level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really hated this, sp- and the fact yeah, that I yeah. had I had planned my Christmas around the <laughs> Runaway Bride, and I loved the Christmas Invasion. Yeah, I think I think that might have been a problem for a lot of people because I, I mean, yeah. the, I thought the Christmas Invasion was a, a really good, a really good Christmas special, and I thought it was a really good introduction to to the Tenth Doctor, even yeah. though he, he wasn't in it a lot. You see what no, I mean? but, it was, but it was a perfect introduction. I think it was, yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, so um, what is it you you like about it now then, compared to last time? What's the what's the difference? It's, it's a lot darker than I remember it being. Um, the whole the whole of this episode is about grief. You mm. know, the Doctor's yeah. grieving the loss of Rose. Donna ends up grieving the loss of Lance and the life that she thought she was going to have. Yeah, and the Empress. Grieves the loss of her children. Yeah, yeah. I'd um, I, I, that's about one of the only things I could actually remember quite clearly was um, uh, sort of scream my children over and over yeah. again, and the screams of the, the you know the the baby uh, Rachnos at the center of the earth as they're being drowned. So yeah, I, I, I can clearly remember that bit, but I had forgotten just how uh, nasty Lance is to Donna. He at, is, yeah. At the end. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually. Um, if we go back to the end of uh, Doomsday, where Catherine Tate appears in the TARDIS at the end, I remember a lot of people at the time were thought, like, "What, Catherine Tate?" And I think I was probably one of. I was probably one I of them. I was at the one time. of them. I yeah. was on the SFX forum going, "She's going to ruin Doctor Who." Yeah. What's going on? Blah blah blah. Now I must admit, when the episode started, she didn't do a lot to dissuade me from that opinion because it was very yeah. much the am I bothered sort sort of attitude with Donna. But as it went on, she really grew on me. But when she returned in Series 4, I think Donna has been my favourite companion since the show came back. I really like I the can character. actually agree with you there. I really like the character of Donna. She had a, a really good sort of lot, lot of character de- development. And it was really tragic when it was all snatched away from her. She went back yeah. to being plain old Donna again. So... Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good idea to you know to to bring Don, um, Catherine Tate back again, but 
Yeah, I, I can understand how, how she would grate on people. Because that initial bit where you see her in the, in the TARDIS at the beginning of the episode, you just think, oh, no, t- turn it down a bit. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was just far too much the Catherine Tate show. You know, it didn't bother me this time round, but I can look back retrospectively, yeah, re- yeah, retrospectively. and yeah. see what she became. Yeah. Um, and I did find out this was actually just meant to be a normal episode of Series 2. This is really... Apparently this was... Um originally meant to be where Tooth and Claw was in Series 2. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the exact reason why. They, they, they obviously changed it and it became a like a Christmas um, a Christmas story. But, yeah, so but Tooth and Claw was put in its uh, place instead. But I, mean, I love Tooth and Claw anyway. I think that's a, it's a really good, really good story. So I'm, I'm glad they did that. But I think this is... Yeah. Um, I think The Runaway Bride probably sort of... Unf- unfairly gets a bit of a bad rap, I think, it's really. Be- like you said, because it's not the Christmas invasion. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I watched this um, prior to recording. I, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. I, I was pleasantly surprised. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, the only weak link that I could find was Sarah Parrish. Is that her name? Sarah Parrish, yes. Yeah, yeah. as the Rackness. She sort of played it like, did you ever watch the Power Rangers? Uh, I have seen some. Yeah, that sort of passed me by a little bit of Power Rangers. The villain but... Rita Repulsa. Oh, you really have lost me now. <laughs> if you Google, when we finished, YouTube Rita Repulsa. Right. Uh, she's got the same voice, the same over-the-top acting, and it just took me out of it. It just made me think about Power Rangers. Oh, dear. that That's never a good thing, really, is it? It's not. No, it's not. I, I mean, yeah, her performance... Uh, yeah, it was um, bizarre, I think, to say the least. Really, just because you're putting a you dress up as a giant spider doesn't mean to say you have to put do that voice and and that. that but then again, and, how and, do and, and you the, play the, a giant spider? Well, it, it was that it was that over the top. I hate using the word pantomime when it comes to Doctor Who, but it was it was like watching you expecting the audience to start booing and hissing every time she came on the screen. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what they're going for. As it was a Christmas special, maybe they, they were going for that sort of art, that arch villain sort of sort of thing. But even down to the uh, the way she laughed as well, it was almost sort of like a. <laughs> it was yeah. It you know, all she needed was a moustache to twirl, and you know, it would it would have <laughs> been complete. So yeah, I think she. Yeah, I agree. I think she was the the weak link there. But um, I think it was one hell of a practical effect, though. Oh, yeah, it took four hours each day to put her in that. Oh, dear, that was an amazing practical effect. It really was. It looked um, good. Yeah, it did. It really did. You can see where all the where the budget was. It's a shame they didn't sort of try and get her to, her to move, but I'm, I'm assuming the CG budget budget didn't extend uh, <laughs> extend to get her to, far, to yeah. chase the the Doctor and Donna around, so she just sort of teleported up to her, up to her ship all the time. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really, really... Really good, and I, I like the way that um, even I think even during this story that the character of Donna does go through a, a, quite a bit of development as well. Because she, I mean, she does get a heart broken, doesn't she? You know, you know, by yeah, last, definitely. yeah, especially as I said earlier when he was being particularly nasty to her. Um, he was saying, you know, she can't even point to Germany on a map, and the, and the end <laughs> was it the endless. Uh, was it endless tittle tattle about X Factor, X Factor, and yeah, stuff like that. So. <laughs> Which I must admit would wind me up as well, to be honest. I mean, Same I, here. I cannot abide the X Factor or any of that Heat magazine style showbiz <laughs> gossip. I really can't be bothered with it. But 
But yeah, I, I thought Catherine Tate was really, really good in this. Um, and I think at this point, at David Tennant's tenure, he hadn't quite... I mean, I did enjoy him in this, but I think the longer David Tennant stayed in the role, the more he began to grate on me a little bit. Same here, yeah. He overstayed his welcome by a series. Yeah. And it was that whole setting... I think by the time he got to end of series three, I mean, um, what's his name? RTD had really set up the Doctor's like the second coming. He was like Christ reborn, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. Like, you know, he really had become that lonely god that he'd been, uh, you know, said in legend. But, yeah, uh, by this point, it was fine. But I think it was the first time that actually mentioned uh, Gallifrey as well, wasn't it? That... It is the first time Gallifrey is mentioned, yeah. Yeah, which are quite... Um, that that was that was a good um, a good point, because I thought that history between the Time Lords and the Ragnos... Again, as well, they sort of like sort of the tunnels murdered the Ragnos, and I, I think even then they're sort of like trying not to portray the tunnels in a very good light. And I think that's what RTD was quite content to do, really, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Do you think it was a good idea at the time? Do you think that was the? I think it was the right thing to do to bring the show out without the baggage. At the time, it was the right idea. Yeah, I think. Yeah. What I have to applaud Moffat for now is the you know getting Gallifrey back, and it will eventually come back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually don't mind him re- pressing the reset button on that. No. It's fine. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the Doctor needs someone to... A, he's got someone to run to, but then again, he's also got... A, the whole thing about the Doctor, he was on the run from them. Yeah, he really, works best know. when there's an authoritative figure to fight against. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I think it's, it's a good idea to, to as you say, to, to bring back. But, but at the time, I think it, it, it was right. It was the right thing to do, but... It just seemed weird that it was sort of two series had gone by before we actually get the first mention of Gallifrey. Yeah, I think they were trying to distance themselves um, from the baggage, like you said. Yeah, yeah, very, very sort of... Uh, sort of I, thought, I just thought it was strange to bring it up with a Christmas special as well. Because uh, they're well, very it's, much... They're it's very a sort of, Christmas treat to the fans then, isn't it? Well, it is really, isn't it? Yeah, if you look at it like that. I mean, it's... Um, but I know this all was meant to be taken as a... not involved in the overall arc of any particular series are they usually the christmas special no. usually set on their own but i mean um i suppose this you had as you said at the beginning sort of the, the doctor's loss of rose and he was sort of very sort of and that was still quite sort of painful for him wasn't it yeah um which i think he sold quite well actually when he especially was at um donna's sort of wedding reception and he remembered sort of like catching rose when she fell over um, what was that? All passed out, and in uh, what was it? New Earth, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's the way he holds her jacket. Yeah, when, when Donna finds it. Well, yeah, then he he played like heartbroken very very well in this episode. He did, and it wasn't overplayed either, which I think they which I think would have happened in later series. But it's funny you you mentioned that thing about the he holds the coat. Um, there was a bit that was I don't know if it was filmed. It was certainly in the script, but he actually takes the Rose's jacket and he throws it into space. Yeah, I heard that. I don't think it was filmed. I don't know if it was actually filmed or not, but um, I think that was the right thing to do to cut yeah. that bit. I think that would have been a bit OTT, really, wouldn't it? Exactly, yeah. That, yeah. What but do that, you make of the whole, sorry, the TARDIS chase with the cab? Um, do you know what? I think, when I, again, when I first watched it, I, I wasn't overly struck with it. I thought it was a little bit, a bit daft. To be honest, but um, watching it for for the, for the purpose of this this podcast, um, I thought it was quite good actually. I thought it was rather well done to to be a. It was fun. It was fun. 
yeah, and I think that's the the thing I probably missed before on this um, this particular story. It's fun. This also marks the first and last appearance of Howard Atfield. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, unf- yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but I suppose you can say out, out of out of that we get um, Bernard Cribbins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a, a a sad, very sad circumstance to to, to get the the Cribbins um, into the in, into Doctor Who, but. Um, yeah, it's sad. It's very, very sad, actually. I like to have seen what the relationship would have been if if he had not been not been ill and um, and then had been able to you know drop out of uh, drop out of series four. I'd like to yeah. see what what you had done. Because have you seen the footage with him and Donna that was redone with Bernard Cribbins on the allotment stargazing? Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I think it would have been really good if he um, if he if he did. Uh, not been ill and had to pull out. I think it would have been rather, rather good. Did he been... die suddenly between episodes? I think he did. I think he's. He, I think they knew he was seriously ill, and I think it, it was after they recorded that first block. I think he had to have. Everyone admitted he just wasn't well enough to to continue, and it wasn't long after that he that he passed away. So it is a it is a shame. It's a big shame. Yeah, but as I say, we we did get Bernard Cribbins as a substitute, so that's. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not all bad. It's not all bad, indeed. It's not, all, not for not for the viewers of Doctor Who, anyway. But uh, there is one person I um I never really got to grips with, though, and and I think this episode does nothing to dissuade me on that. Is um, Donna's mum? I was just never yeah, never really sold on her as a character straight away. Yeah, I, I I suppose you could say yeah, that's where Donna gets it from. But I I was never never really that taken with her character at all. It just seems a bit of a caricature, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and she doesn't really do anything to um, redeem herself from that. Not really. And I guess no. maybe because Jackie was so nice mm. in the past two series, they had to go polar opposite when they introduced a new mum. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, ja- yeah. Jackie was ditzy, but she was nice. She was fundamentally nice. Yeah, she was, yeah. So if you then bring in a, a new mum and just make her nice, there's going to be comparisons towards Jackie. And unfortunately, with Doctor Who fans, there will always be a comparison. <laughs> oh yes. Oh dear, oh dear. Will, will it ever end? Oh god. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was. Uh, yeah, that's just one of the things that sort of I never really sort of took to that that character really. Um, but what about the in this one? You've got the reuse of the the Santa robots and the Christmas tree. Um, I don't know if that was a bit of a mistake, really, just to reintroduce them again. I think so. I took that to be they were fleshing a 45 minute episode into a 60 minute Christmas special mm, which yeah to reuse them again and but then again it was good as a viewer because this was the second Christmas special it was yeah uh, as soon as you saw them you knew what they were about you knew why they were there yeah yeah I just I just Continuity want there. yeah I suppose it was really I sort of um as you, as you say I, I, I wouldn't gonna... put them in there no I wouldn't have done I wouldn't have done but maybe that's what what, from what I said earlier, so it was originally meant to be where Tooth and Claw was in in in, um, in series two. So as you say, maybe just putting the robot Santas and the Christmas tree back in again, as you say, padded it out to a sixty-minute episode. But there's another thing, interesting thing in there as well. You sort of all the way through that Donna's always like mouthy and and, and shouty and, and whatever. But it's that bit um, after the all the Christmas decorations have blown up and there's people injured and and she's pleading with the doctor to help her you're a doctor help people and for that's that's immediately rtd knew 
what Donna was about, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's what struck me this time as well. Yeah, I know. I hate using that that expression that oh, she's you know got a heart of gold, but um, but she she the character did have a heart of gold though. That's the that's the thing. She was she might have been gobby and 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 shouty and whatever, but you know she was concerned for other people's well being. And what but, is Donna's problem with Neris? Do you know what? I've never figured that out. Why would you have her at the wedding? <laughs> exactly, and when she gets married again. She's a bridesmaid. Yeah. I've never actually figured that bit out. Why would you have someone that you cannot stand? And it appeared to be a maid of honour as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Strange. Yeah, I don't get I don't get the nearest thing at all. Don't get the nearest thing at all. But uh no, but um there's probably one thing that's still I know it's it's fun and it's Christmas and blah blah blah, but like the doctor making it snow by using the TARDIS. Yeah, and then I think that's probably a step too far for me. I know it's 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 fun. It's just me being an old Scrooge here, to be honest. But I think that, that was... was a callback to the Christmas invasion where the ash rained down and it was like snow. Snow, yeah. So because it's Christmas, you've got to have snow. Yeah, I, mean, I like the thing about the Ragnos um, ship being the shape of a star. Lincoln, that into... was cool. Yeah, I like that linking into the whole nativity thing. I thought that that was really cool, and it was a nice effect as well. Actually, it still looks good. Yeah, I think it does. I think it looks really good, actually. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of nice shots in it, like the the shot with the where the Thames has been drained. Yeah, that, that, that looks good. It does, looks really, really good. I think that's really. Uh, and actually, going back to the um, the, the Tardis chase on the on the uh, on the motorway, that still holds up pretty well. I think actually, yeah, it looks okay. I like the two kids in the back of the car cheering on. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, I forgot about those two actually. <laughs> what did their parents think was happening? Well, that's the weird thing because I know obviously whoever was driving couldn't turn and see what was happening, but the, there was, whoever was sitting in the passenger seat was paying no attention to their kids shouting in the back seat. Were they? So, um, yeah, just saying it was, it was if it was my two in the back of the car making that noise, I turned to shut up, let, let alone <laughs> ignore them. But... I'm turning this car around <laughs> on the motorway. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but then you would have seen what they were cheering at. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Probably crashed into the bloody thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas. That's the other thing as well. Um, I sort of know because this was filmed in uh, July, um, sort yeah, of in, yeah. in two thousand and six, and a film like thirty degree heat. And now and again, you can you can tell um, just how hot that you can see like a slight sheen on their face where they're sweating. Yeah. And, and I, I, mean, I mean, it didn't do too bad a job on making it look a, a, you know quite sort of not that wintry, but people having sort of hats and scarves and, and, and gloves on or whatever. But uh, yeah, you, you, in some place it was quite obvious it wasn't December. <laughs> oh yeah, do you know what I mean? The I, mean I guess just the plus too... side now is they film the Christmas special in October. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, the whole like, filming block's completely different now, isn't it? But um, yeah. But there's another thing. Um, talking of, of filming, the opening scene where the Doctor finds Donna um, on the TARDIS. That was that. That was actually refilmed. They they couldn't reuse the bit uh, from the end of Doomsday. Because it was a different director, apparently used different lighting, oh, okay. so so they couldn't match it up. So they had to, they had to refilm the whole the whole thing. So I read today. I didn't so, notice. Yeah, yeah, I didn't actually. But but then again, I must have I haven't done a comparison between that and Doomsday. I'm going to when we finish recording. <laughs> so we're we're living up to typer, the, the the obsessive Doctor Who fan. But and then I'll write to the BBC and complain. Complain indeed. Why oh why oh why. <laughs> Oh dear! Um, so, what do you make of the whole um, Lance being a 
a double agent, essentially. Um, it did sort of come out of nowhere, really. I yeah. mean, I, I suppose. What yeah. was their overall plan? Uh, I couldn't quite see why. I think that's one of the things with RTD. He has these plans. When he gets to the end, he doesn't know how to get out of it. So yeah. this this catch-all solution, and this was. Um, she just immediately gave it all to Lance. This the the, uh, the Huon particles in in the water because yeah. she needed six months to to dose Donna up, and then right then when like Donna escaped with the Doctor in the TARDIS, it was oh well I don't need her now. I've perfected the the formula, so I'll just give it to you now, and it'll be immediate. And that's yeah. They... So yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense really. And there were other people in the web, so presumably Lance has been poisoning all the water. Well, I, I thought that the because it was the I can't remember the name of the um, the owner of the of the company, but it, it was his H. G. Clemens. That's it. It was him up in the in the web. I, I I thought that was just because she just fed off of him. It could be. Could be. I thought I thought that was what what that was for. But I uh, don't see why it had to be Donna. Why? I thought it was just any any poor anyone would do anyone would do any poor sap that uh, Lance could, could sort of attract their attention. Really, I think, and and unfortunately, Donna fitted the bill, didn't she? So, <laughs> oh dear, yeah. So that was a little bit, a little bit, a bit weird. That bit. Just, Should uh, we mention the other Doctor Who connection with Bernard Cribbins and Lance? Oh, old Jack's boat. Yeah, he is Captain Periwinkle in Old Jack's boat, and the character he plays is Freeman Adjiman's dad. That's right. That's sure. right. Yeah, my my kids love old Jack's boat actually. So, which, yeah, I, which I've mentioned on this podcast many times actually. They they sort of. Uh, I'm just glad that another generation is is enjoying Bernard Cribbins. As they should. As they should indeed. Every generation should enjoy Bernard Cribbins. So there we are. So um, yes, I think looking back on this, I, th- I I rather enjoyed it. Actually, I was quite I was quite surprised. Yeah, me too. It's made yeah. me want to go back and watch Voyage of the Damned, which I also hated. Oh no! No, I think we did that last year. And, I think you did. Yeah, yeah and uh, we not <laughs> poor of myself particularly enjoyed that story at all. So. Okay. <laughs> now, even leaving it for, for a few years and coming back to it, it, it still was uh, a bit pants, to be honest. But uh, there we go. There we go. So, um, I think we're, we're wrapped up on this now, aren't we? I yeah, think, I can't I think, really think of anything. No, else I think that. I think we've covered just about everything. So. Um, just leaves me to say thanks very much for uh, for joining us uh, today, Martin. It's been absolute pleasure recording with you again. Thank you. Thank you Thanks very much. And um, it also leaves us to say, everyone at home, have a very merry Christmas. Uh, we should be back. Hopefully, Paul will be back next time when we review uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special last Christmas. So um, have a great one, everybody. Would you like to send any Christmas wishes out, Martin? Uh, yeah, just happy Christmas to all your listeners. Um, Happy New Year. Yes. And if Paul isn't back, oh, come on. Okay. Fair dose. Fair dose. And uh, also, Martin, as is customary in these situations, would you like to tell everybody where they can find your podcast? Yeah, you can go to badwilf.co.uk. Check us out. Check us out on iTunes and all the places where you can get a podcast. There you go, everybody. Right. So that's it. So we'll be back uh, just after christmas day hopefully with our review of last christmas but just to get you in the christmasy moods uh, we're going to leave you with a piece of music and really nothing says christmas more than bob dylan so here here you go it's bob dylan's version of here comes santa claus goodbye here comes santa claus here comes santa claus and down santa claus today 
sticks and a blicks in an oldest range Yeah, pulling on the reins Bells are ringing, children singing All is merry and bright Hang your stockings, say your prayers Cause Santa Claus comes tonight Let's give thanks to, to the Lord. 